Happy birthday, dear Aurelia. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Yay! We don't get the full song because I don't know at what point in that song you have to start paying royalties. So I think it's public domain. Happy birthday because it's so old, right? I I'm pretty sure. Did I make that up? Here, I'll. I'll do some live fact checking. Thanks, yeah, Katie. Yeah, my, bir my birthday is tomorrow, February 1st. Shout out to my um, Aquarius babies. Yeah, uh, and your B-Day twin, um, Stormy. Isn't that <laughs> Kylie's actually, baby, right? Isn't, don't you yeah. guys have the same birthday? Yeah, we have the same birthday. I also have the same birthday as... Abby from Broad City. Oh, nice. Abby Jacobson. Mm -hmm. And Elsie from The Hills. Ooh. She has the same birthday as me. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some other ones. Um, do you have any birthday twins other than like, St. Patrick? Well... <laughs> It's actually the day he died. It's the day St. Patrick died oh, is my good. birthday. Okay. Um, <laughs> my uh, claim claims to fame, March 17th, is uh, Kurt Russell's birthday. Kurt Russell's birthday. Uh, Rob yeah. Lowe. And um, John Boyega from Star Wars. That's pretty cool. Oh, Harry Styles has the same birthday <gasps> as me. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Wow, and, that's so special. And um, I always like to tell people this as my fun fact. I probably said it when we've taught improv classes together. Um, but my dad's birthday is January 8th, which is Elvis Presley's birthday. Um, and my yes. birthday is February 1st, which is Lisa Marie Presley's birthday. So I, that's always kind of fun to tell people. I was about to say, I was like, you guys are them reincarnated, but that doesn't make any sense because <laughs> she's alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So never mind. Um, well, by the time this is out, you'll already have had your your birthday. So yep. I'll just I be hope another... it went. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, was gonna I, was gonna say, I hope it went well. I hope your B-Day went well in yeah, the future, your future B-Day. It's been good so far. Uh, I haven't done a ton. Um, I'm going to see my aunt and uncle today, so that should be fun. Um, and then I'm uh, renting, like, a cabin next weekend. I'm just going to, like, go to the woods and like an influencer? a hot tub. <laughs> That's like what – um, yeah, like an influencer. They're all like getting cabins and going out to um to nature. Selena Gomez like got a cabin early on in Quar and just went out there to like find herself. Um and now she has that like cooking show on HBO. So you never know what's I gonna happen. Really, I actually like that show. I've watched a few episodes and Have you? I haven't watched it yet, but I want I want to. I love Selena Gomez. Um big Selgo fan over here so and like she's super nice but it's like kind of funny because she doesn't like totally know what she's doing but the chefs are like really cool she um you know who Khalees is like she sang like the milkshake song oh, yeah. milkshake. okay so <laughs> so she's like went to culinary school like after like she her music career to make milkshakes I mean I think she's still <laughs> No, they didn't make milkshakes. They, oh my god, if they had I know Emmy. I give know. it an Emmy. I know, I know, no. Um, so yeah, I really do like that. So that's my birthday plan. Um we did talk about uh like any like really memorable birthdays or like um any like really crazy birthdays that you've had? I'm trying to I, think. I haven't had really any like crazy birthdays um my birthday is on saint patrick's day as you know so it's like every year my birthday party at least the past few years is has always just been a saint patrick's day 
party um, where we do St. Patrick's Day drinking activities. And then like also it's my birthday, but um, that's kind of how I plan it. I did have, um, I don't know that I would say this was my worst birthday, but a pretty bad one was when I was in second grade. I had a birthday party at the local ice rink which was very fun. And I truly don't remember any part of it except for um, we went into like, they had a party room to have like pizza and cake or whatever. And uh, when we went in on the back of each chair, they had tied a balloon to the back of each chair. And I walk in, all the other girls are already in there and they are taking the balloons and fighting each other with the balloons. (laughs) And I started to cry. Because that is not what the balloons are for. They were for decoration. And I couldn't handle that things weren't going the way they were supposed to be going. And I lost it. And it was very embarrassing. And um, that's why I didn't have any friends. Um, Honestly, I think you and I would have been really good friends if we went to elementary school together. Because I cried all the time. It was like my default emotion. I got like teased for crying too much. (gasps) Oh, Which, no, that's I not know. nice. I know, especially because, like, you should be outward with your emotions. Yes, so, like, agreed. I was really well emotionally adjusted and no one else mm-hmm. could handle it. You have a high I- level of emotional intelligence. Um <laughs> Which that is actually like a bachelor reference that you might not know, but emotional intelligence was the theme of this one like big drama thing on Nick Vile's season. And it was hilarious Um, because (laughs) this therapist told like she was on the she's a contestant and she's a therapist. And she told this other girl that she did not have emotional intelligence. (laughs) And it was pretty funny. Um, But yeah, everyone. Sure. Have you had any like crazy birthdays? One time I got strep throat on my birthday. That was a bummer. Oh, um, okay. Here's a few things that come to mind. When I was growing up and until like I went to college, I lived uh, at the very top of a really steep hill, like at the very, very end. And there mm-hmm. aren't that many houses in my parents' neighborhood, maybe like 10 or 15 houses. And my birthday is in February. And a couple, I think at least two different years, like I thought my birthday was going to be canceled. A lot of people like couldn't come and the people that could come, my dad had to like shuttle them up our hill so that Mm -hmm. they could get to my party because the weather was too bad for people to drive up the hill. Um, But I also, when I would have birthday parties growing up, this is a highlight, uh, my dad would buy pizza dough from Papa John's and he knows how to like spin it. You could just so buy pizza would, dough from them? Yeah. So uh, this, and this is before like pizza dough was sold at like the grocery stores. Like right, it is right, now. right. But he would buy pizza dough from Papa John's and we would make our own like pizzas. We would have like birthday pizza parties and that was super oh, fun. Oh my gosh. I remember <laughs> actually one of my best birthday parties was, um, it was like my kindergarten or first grade birthday party and we did a fashion show and I got out all, we had all of my like dress up clothes were all out and um, my like mom's friends came over and did our makeup and like painted our nails and like did our hair and then we had a fashion show. Um, but the reason I just thought of that is because I think I request special requested the cheese stuffed crust pizza from like Domino's or wherever it was back when that was like a very rare thing. But now everywhere has like cheese stuffed crust. (laughs) I was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, cheese stuffed crust, pepperoni pizza. I'm living the dream. (laughs) Wow. The, uh, the cheese uh, obsession goes way back for you. I'm really seeing that this is like deeply tied to your early years. My family is like a big cheese family. We always had cheese and crackers. Every family event. And I thought that was like really normal. And I think now it is like now charcuterie boards are like real big and stuff. But back in the day it was not. And when I would tell people that I would be like, yeah, you just like have a slice of cheese and you put it on a cracker, blah, blah. And they're like, you eat raw cheese like that's what they called it <laughs> they were like you eat raw cheese and I was like I, I, 
I don't know. It's just yeah, no. Of cheese. And they were like, sure, you perfect. just eat plain cheese? This is in like middle school. <laughs> and I was like, is this weird? They're like, I have cheese on like a burger, but not just cold cheese. I think they may have just been grasping for like anything to make fun of me for. To bring you down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I re- specifically remember several school lunches where my dad would like give me like a whole carrot and just like a chunk of cheese <laughs> i mean like i was not neglected as a child i just no no, no no he just like my dad just is like that's like how he eats he just like grabs like random things yeah <laughs> so um yeah i had raw cheese all the time like there's not no shame in that okay um thank you as an adult though i would say I love a theme and yes, I've had like do. some really fun themed birthday parties as an mm-hmm. adult. Um, and I'm kind of sad that I can't really have one this year because I'm not like having, doing anything. <laughs> My um, last year I had like the last birthday party before the shutdown. Cause it was like the 13th or 14th of March. And It was literally like that week was the week that the NBA like shut down. So it was very much like, I think we can still go out. (laughs) Like, and then that next, uh, that Monday, it was like, we're done. Everyone's done. So I, I think that what that means is everyone gets one quarantine birthday and I oh, so haven't you- had mine yet. And so my working theory is that this will all go away once I have my quarantine birthday. Because as you know, the world revolves around me. Um, sure, of course. Yeah, I haven't had a quarantine birthday. I mean, I'm I'm having it right now. I, I, right. I Even though the days leading up to my birthday are not in February, it mm-hmm. still is like pre, you know, it's like part of it. Yes. Um, Okay, so you were speaking about The Bachelor earlier, and yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to let everyone know that I am still watching it, much to my own dismay. Um, <laughs> I, I, okay, so I like, I, I'm, I'm really torn because it is entertaining. Mm-hmm. However, the way that the women treat each other, and I don't know if it's like more this season, but it just feels like something that we've like been fighting against as women for a long time, like that women need to compete with each other. And like Mm -hmm. your, your whole purpose is like to get the attention and like a proposal from this man. And that's like, just the fact that there's like, that this show is so successful based off of these really like unfortunate things that women have to experience is like, I don't know. It makes me, I try not to think about it when I watch it. You just got to compartmentalize. But just like the, the like shady, like girl on girl drama. Like um, I would be like Katie. She's like Mm -hmm. an angel. I was saying Katie has big, uh, like sorority president vibes. So that makes sense. Oh yeah. She's just like, I'm shutting it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, I will say so. Hundred percent, everything you're saying is correct. This season, Victoria is like especially bad. Everyone is talking about how she is like really worse than worse, like to the point where it's not even a difference of per. Like, oh, these two girls, their personalities just aren't going to click. They're from very different backgrounds. It's not going to work. It's like intentional and not it's not great so we're all just like waiting for her to finally leave which i think i don't think she's going to be around much longer i think she'll either get kicked this week or next week that's i hope so because clearly she's just on like there is no way matt james is interested in her no because she's just like a bad person yeah (laughs) or that's how she's portraying herself i know television like you know, you can get a bad edit, but I do feel like she has some negative personality traits. That yeah. <laughs> I think the harder thing for her would be to get a good edit from the producers. Yes, so definitely. Um, and someone that I recently am like who I was like, oh, she's fine. But Anna, she really mm-hmm. took like a deep 
downturn. It's like, what are you doing with this rumor? (laughs) And also this rumor about sex work, which like now we're putting down an entire profession. Like that's, and uh, yeah, it's all gross. It's all. And I will say that like she has the most insane like RBF. Yes, her and like face. I, <laughs> I just feel like the producers are like, "Oh, sh- she's not doing anything, but she looks mad." So we'll like insert that shot because it's just like her. <laughs> um. Anyways, so and it is so what? funny it, during the rose ceremony because she totally was looking like. And then the minute he called her name, she, she just her goes, face like relaxed, and she like yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. it was insane. I do feel bad for her about her face. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help those things, and like I don't think that I have um, resting bitch face, but I'm definitely not aware of what I'm doing when my face is resting. Like I, I don't even think about it. So actually, good point. Um, because. So on Instagram, you posted that photo of us from this episode or from this interview um, with Holly, where we're looking at, by the way, spoiler alert, Holly, who is our guest for this week. uh, She works at a zoo at the Denver Zoo and she brought animals to show us. And we do have photos and we will be putting those on um, the social meds for you all to see. Um, (laughs) But Aurelia posted a photo and we're both in it on the screen and my face is just like it's not like terrible but it's just like a, I didn't a weird think it was that bad. it's not that bad but i do i didn't realize i do actually make that face a lot i'm really bad at hiding my emotions and when someone is this is not the same but when someone's like talking to me and i disagree with what they're saying and think that what they're saying is dumb my face is like And I didn't realize really that I did that. And then at the election board, one of the uh, nice old ladies that I work with is like, "Uh, (laughs) you know, everyone knows how you feel all the time. And I was like, oh, that's not great. (laughs) I definitely do that, too. I think it just becomes from like doing theater and like being expressive and like that being encouraged. And we are very expressive people. And I think like usually unless it's like I need to be like really professional or Usually, like, I don't care if people know how I feel because that is how I feel. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Um, But, yeah, I I definitely do, like, some, like, eyebrow action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So, before we uh, get into our interview, we have some, I would call them future ladies of the week. (laughs) Um, but I saw, and I think this is really cool. I know, uh, Girl Scouts have moved most of their cookie sales online Mm -hmm. and Troop 6000 based in the New York, New York city. Um, it's a troop of girls that are living in the New York shelter city shelter system. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it would be really excellent if anyone is thinking of ordering Girl Scout cookies to order some from their site. I believe the website is digitalcookie.girlscouts.org slash scout slash troop 6000 dash 161. I will, we'll write that down for you guys. Um, But I just think that that's really great that those girls are getting the same opportunity as other girls. Uh, to be Girl Scouts because I think it's like a you know I I was a Girl Scout and I think you do learn obviously you know Girl Scouts are not perfect but like the organization um but I do think it's a good thing for girls to have yeah absolutely um especially Right now, when girls who are experiencing homelessness, like that is so such a precarious situation usually, but with the pandemic, it's just you're even more uh, vulnerable. And so having like a sense of stability, consistency, community for them, really important. So, and you get cookies if you buy cookies from them. That's like, you know, it's a win-win, okay? Totally, win-win. 100%. What is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Um, gosh, I mean, it, 
it changes all the time. Um, but I think my all time fave is classic Thin Mint. I think I'm going to go. Okay. I was I really worried you were going to say the shortbreads and those no. should be no one's favorite. Um, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I do love Thin Mints. I think I am partial to the Samoas. I like the chew. Those are my like other. The, yeah. I go back I like and the forth way kind of depending on the, what. That it cuts the roof of my mouth when I eat it. I really like that. They're like mm-hmm. sharp. Mm-hmm. They are. <laughs> it's uh, it's a thrill, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you're it's really. It is. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, as Katie said, our guest this week is Holly Hauser. She's the animal ambassador coordinator for the Denver Zoo. We had a really great conversation with her. We talked about. Um, a lot of different things. Holly was super open and uh, also offered to answer any questions anybody has. So I'll put her handle in our social media description of the episode if anyone wants to follow up with her. So please enjoy our interview with Holly and our special uh, animal guests this week. Hello, Katie, and our very special guest, uh, Holly Hauser, is here. Um, we're so excited. Holly, uh, would you like to go ahead and tell our listeners uh, what your job title is? I thought you were going to end that at tell our listeners. <laughs> Just tell them. <laughs> I like people on their toes with my inflection, you know. Keep them guessing. Sorry, Holly, go ahead. You're good. Um, so I work at the zoo. So I work at Denver Zoo, um, but I specifically work in the animal ambassador section. So we have around 120 animals that they're trained to go out and do programs. So our education animals doing going to schools, libraries, senior centers. So I'm the coordinator of that program. So I'm in charge of like scheduling all the animals and and the training of the handlers and the animals. So yeah, I've been doing that for about 10 years. So you're yeah. in charge of putting together every kid's like favorite day of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> I just spread joy all day. It's- <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Okay. So we put together a little game um, and we always try to make a game that like kind of correlates. Uh, we played prizes Right last time. Um <laughs> Because we actually had Drew Carey on the, uh, no, I'm kidding. No, no, we didn't. But the game that we're going to play this episode is uh, what animal would this celebrity be? The very well-known title of a real game. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I have compiled a list of celebrities and... Some of these celebrities are random. Some of these celebrities I picked because they've been in the news this week. Uh, So if that's, you know, if that's a thing we want to talk about, we can. Um, But all you have to do is say, which animal do you think this celebrity would be? And, you know, I think we can base it on general aura. Like it doesn't have to be look. It can be looks. Um, I'll leave it up up to you all right (laughs) okay okay should we should we jump right in do we have concerns questions no no let's do it okay i'll let holly take the lead and then we can fill in our opinions as well if needed okay perfect so the first celebrity (laughs) that i've put on my list uh because i just watched his episode of snl that he hosted is timothy chalamet Hope we're, hope we're all familiar with the, the Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet. He's, he's all the rage right now. Um, he's very, how would I describe? He's got like the, the smolder going on. Oh, yeah. Do we not? (laughs) Okay. So no one knows who Timothy Chalamet is. I do. Let me share my screen. 
so you can see. Oh yeah, I, we could find a picture. Oh, I got a picture. He's very fancy. Very I'm an animal with sharp bone structure, perhaps. <laughs> Or an animal that has been nominated for Oscars. Oh my gosh. He kind of looks like a skink that I work with. He's just got the bone structure of this lizard that I work with called a zebra skink. He just, she always looks like she's posing with her face, just like, the, you're gonna think it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I just Google it. Oh no, I can see that. I think it's like lizard the, is actually, I would never have come up with that. But the more I look at Timothy Chalamet with like his eyes and the bone structure, I do think it makes sense. He's just got that cut jaw. That's just yeah. like very shocking right away. I was, I would agree. The other, I was going to say like Fox. I feel like his features are sort of like protruding a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. got the mane for it for sure. Just like that beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, okay. So Timothy Chalamet is a lizard. I feel pretty good. <laughs> okay. The next celebrity, uh, I don't think she has been in the news lately, but uh, Tyra Banks. <laughs> Maybe we've all watched America's Next Top Model. One of my personal favorites of the oh, yeah. Are there, any, are there any animals that smize? Mm. I feel like I have to go off personality with this one because she's so like, full of life and full of personality like she can be judgy she can be fun like mm -hmm. you never know what you're gonna she's get. got range tyra would, has range i would compare her to a parrot i think and that's a compliment because they you just never know what you're gonna get they'll love you one second snap at you the next but they you just respect them and love them so i feel like she would fit in that category <laughs> i love that personality. yeah i like it and she's kind of loud um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next, the next celebrity. Um, oh, I don't have my list in front of me anymore. Hold on. Okay. Next celebrity. Here we go. Harrison Ford, <laughs> Deanna Jones, Han Solo. He's such a babe. He is. Um, gosh, I don't know whether to go with like character or, or just like straight looks. Mm -hmm. We could do both. I mean, yeah, you know, if, your hot takes are. This is kind of hard. Um, I feel like he'd be a cat of some sort, like a, Ooh, like a like, lion kind of just like from the Indiana Jones movies, just like so mm -hmm. brave and like handsome and courageous i feel like he'd be in the lion category for sure i was thinking lion too and he's like a classic like lions are like a classic animal right everyone knows a lion yeah for sure. yeah aurelia everyone knows a lion <laughs> everyone i mean everyone knows what lions are <laughs> yeah because of the lion king like, we all like grew up everyone the lion knows who harrison ford is that's a good point that's a good point um okay well, We'll do one more, how about? And this one, we're probably gonna have to Google, I think, but uh, she just announced today that she's pregnant. Ooh, uh, Halsey. Oh, no way. I didn't know yeah. she was pregnant. She just announced it today. This is hot goss for you. Also such a babe. I feel like she's oh, yeah. like a babe animal. So I would have to give like a fennec fox because I just think they're so beautiful. Ooh, I think a fox is a really good choice. Was this a specific type of fox? What did you call it? A fennec fox. So they're like a they're like a little fox. So F E N N E C. Oh. They're like a. Oh, they're so oh my gosh, cute. so cute. I definitely see it. The ears, those ears, man. She's just got that gorgeous face. And the foxes are just so beautiful. I hope that everyone listening also has been Googling everything as we've been Googling it. <laughs> it really adds. I don't know why we picked a visual game uh, for a podcast, but. 
<laughs> Here we are. But we did. I hope I didn't offend anyone by comparing Timothy Chalamet to a lizard. It was a compliment. <laughs> but it's like a sexy lizard. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. The zebra lizard, because it's black and white, it's like very fancy, cool. Yeah, lizard. totally. so we always start with the same question holly which is uh what did you want to be when you grew up did you always want to work with animals or is that a passion found later in life i it's it's interesting it was kind of a journey um i definitely always wanted to work with animals so at least for as long as i can remember I remember, you know, it's like every kid's dream to be like a veterinarian or especially like a dolphin trainer. So I, I that was mine, literally. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be a marine biologist, I think from like second grade through high school. And I think like a lot of young women, especially in the 90s, um, you're like scared away from STEM. You're scared away from science and math. And, and there weren't a lot of resources to encourage young women. So I got scared away because of the science and the math. It seemed like a dude's field. And unfortunately, I was one of those people who got scared away from it. So I went into art um, and I was like thinking I wanted to be a photographer. And, you know, I did that in college for a few years. And and then I just realized I actually, like a lot of young ladies too, um, and young men too, just I needed a year to just figure my shit out. And I moved to California and I just like kind of did my thing. And I started going to the zoo out there and, um, and realized, okay, I need to, I need to be work with animals. It's what I always wanted to do. And I knew I had to do it. So I immediately went back to Purdue and, and studied wildlife science. So it was kind of like a little wavy journey, but I'm, I feel like one of the lucky ones to have found my way back to what I originally wanted to do. So Cool, cool, cool. So your degree is in wildlife science. Is that like the main degree to get if you want to work in a zoo or are there other ones you could, I mean, I guess you could like be a vet, but. Yeah, there's a lot. So like a lot of my team, um, it's, it's a science related field. So everyone has like biology, zoology, um, animal science, wildlife science, wildlife management, um, some people actually do psychology with a focus in animal behavior and animal psychology, but generally those are the, the fields that you get into. Yeah. Um, so are there uh, paths to working at the zoo that don't require a college degree, or would you say usually that's a more traditional way to get into what you do? It depends. So at a major accredited zoo like Denver Zoo, um, that's the baseline. You have to have a college degree in a science related field, but you know, you can, it's, it's not the be all end all. So if you don't have a college degree, but you have like 10 years of experience with a specific animal. So like you don't have a college degree, but you've worked with elephants full time for 10 years. Um, that's a way to get in. And the way to do that too, is to start at like smaller zoos and work your way up. Um, another way is we had a keeper who got an associate's degree in specifically zoo management. So because that's so specific, she got in that way. Um, but at a major zoo, a college degree. Yeah. Cool. What? Yeah, I didn't even think about the smaller, smaller zoos. It's yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of people actually, we've had a lot of people who get an internship here. Um, and because they don't have that full-time experience, they oftentimes go to smaller zoos to get part-time or more internship experience. And then that's how they make their way back to a major zoo. So there's, there's different paths. Oh, good to know. Yeah. So take us through like a typical day, um, of, of your job and, and maybe explain a little bit about the animal ambassador program as well. Yeah. Well, the, the first answer is it's never the same, which is why it's so much fun. You've always got like an animal thing happening and like just, there's just, it's always changes. Um, but the animal ambassador section is specifically all the critters are trained um, to be handled and to come out and meet people. So um, all of our animals support on-site programs, off-site programs. So we have an entire education department of teachers who get trained on how to handle animals. 
Um, so they, they're taking critters to school, um, or right now, or we just unrolled a huge virtual program because of COVID, because um, we took a huge hit that way and had to innovate. But a typical day could be, especially in my role, could be animal care. So doing animal care in the morning, animal training, training a new animal for programs, training a new animal handler. So a teacher, how to handle a snake or a volunteer, how to handle a snake. Um, maybe a virtual program. Um, it's a lot of hands-on animal care. So I usually start in my day with some sort of animal care or animal training. So it's, it's kind of the perfect balance for me of like working with people and getting them passionate about the animals we work with so that they can teach offsite um, and then getting to work hands-on with the animals and, and my awesome team. So that's, it's kind of any, any day is any blend of that. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned uh, COVID has obviously been like a challenge for you guys. Um, I don't know if you want to speak more on that or just maybe what are some general challenges that come along with this job? Yeah, so with COVID specifically, it was really, really hard and it was hard on just cultural institutions around the country. But with ours specifically, you know, we spend thousands of dollars a day on animal care. Um, you know, because aside from the programs and guests paying to come in, um, our animals always come first. So thankfully, you know, we were doing okay. Animals care has not changed at all through this, but it definitely put a lot of stress um, having to lay off a bunch of people. Um, and we really had to innovate, especially our program, because the whole thing with an animal ambassador program is, you know, people come to the zoo, they see lions in their exhibit. But with animal ambassadors, the whole point is to meet them up close and to be able to teach them about the animal, let them touch the animal so they can build a deep connection with that animal. That's the whole goal. And we can't do that with COVID. So we had to completely innovate this year to be able to still provide those experiences because yes, revenue is important, um, but for us, the mission is to build those connections with people. So we had to think like, how can we do that safely. So we ended up creating a program that's up for sale called Up Close Looks, where it's a socially distanced program where they can still get those up close experiences and in a safe environment. So wearing masks, but being able to be up close, seeing birds flying and that kind of thing. Um, and they've actually been so successful. We raised thousands of dollars just in like four to five months of selling these programs. But we're really excited to be able to get in doing shows out in the public again um, to reach larger crowds and things like that. So luckily we have a community that really loves us and they have donated so much money on Colorado Gives Day. We raised like $300,000 and the community has really led us through this really hard time and, and we're coming out of it. So it's been stressful, but um, we're coming out. <laughs> the other side, it's happening. That's great. Um, what are some skills that you think are really important for somebody wanting to go into this field that you feel like you draw upon frequently? I think that you have to be like very flexible, multitasker. No day is ever the same. Um, and being able to work with people. So working at a zoo isn't just being able to work with the animals and being very observant of animal behavior, being able to train animals. In order to give good animal care, you have to work with people. And I'm sure like a lot of the other women you talk about uh, or you interview, um, it's so important to have that skill to work with people and have a successful team. You really can't succeed in something that you're building if you can't work together. So being able to work in a team is, is huge, huge, huge. Luckily at the zoo, we all share the same mission and passion. So it makes it a little bit easier to work together in some ways but just a really strong work ethic. It's a really competitive field. So everyone comes in with the same skill set. They got that college degree, um, but it's really about what else can you offer? Can you work in a team? It, I mean, it's a big, big one. And, and dealing with conflict is a huge one. I know that as we get older in our jobs, we realize how much conflict and being able to deal with conflict is huge in a professional way. So those skills, those softer skills are just as important as um, hard animal care experience. Definitely. So other than maybe developing those skills in particular, do you have any advice for people who would maybe like to work in a zoo, women who would like to work in a zoo, or specifically do an ambassador type program like you do? 
Yeah, there's some ways to do that. So volunteering is a huge one. So if say you have that degree, and I have to say, um, I got into the field a lot later than most people. A lot of keepers start right out of college or in college or even before college. I, this is the first thing I've ever worked at. I'm kind of like an anomaly. Um, I got this job at um, almost 27, which hadn't really done a lot of zoo work before. I did field work in environmental education, but volunteering is a big thing because I will say that zoo, working in a zoo, it's kind of this Pollyanna thing of like, oh, like it's all, like, you, you see, like, I see like Jim Perry and Ace Ventura where all these animals are like, like on his arms. And it just seems so like very Pollyanna, but it's a dirty job. It can be sad. It can be stressful, especially with how people view zoos these days. Um, so volunteering and like actually like at an animal shelter or a wildlife rehab center will teach you if it's something you really like to do because it's hard, it's dirty. And I, I would say that's the first thing to do. And then, you know, looking for part-time work. So whether that's at um, a shelter or rehab center or a smaller zoo, that would be a good way to go, especially if you don't have any prior zoo experience. Oh, great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I know you mentioned like <clears throat> how people view zoos these days, sort of in that vein, like what are some misconceptions that you think people have or, or sort of what, uh, what do you think people think of zoos? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. And it's, it's actually like an important question to talk about and to ask. I like when people ask this question because, um, it's a tough question and we should be asking ourselves why are people feeling bad about zoos? So, you know, it's, it's a common misconception is that animals are just in a cage all day and that's, and they get no interaction. We just toss them food and that's it. And they're there for show. Now, the difference is at like an, an accredited institution like Denver Zoo, what they don't see and what we're trying to get better about is communicating what happens behind the scenes. How do we care for animals? And it's a mix of animal training, um, animal husbandry and behavior programs. So having goals for every single animal in the collection, as far as what nutrition, nutritionally they're gonna get. We have a nutritionist that designs every diet for every single animal. Um, every single behavior we want to train an animal, every single piece of enrichment. So what a piece of enrichment is, is not just a toy we toss an animal, we actually have a whole program for each animal as far as what natural behaviors we want to encourage them to do. Because when we see animals doing natural behaviors, then that's a that's a, a gauge of their care and how they're doing under human care. So um, what all, like hundreds of pieces of enrichment we can design per animal to make sure they're demonstrating those natural behaviors. Um, we have an entire welfare program. So even though, even if we don't have any concerns about an animal, we actually um, have an, a rating system where we go through and all these little bullets of rating their welfare, of how are they moving? What are they doing? Um, how are they eating their diet? How are they defecating? Absolutely everything. So it goes into a system to be evaluated by our director of animal wellness. So I'm talking like from a little toad all the way up to a lion. So just very individualist whole care that people just don't get a chance to see. And and the problem is too, is that like, just like anything, there are bad zoos that are not regulated, that have no programs in place like oh, yeah. that. Yeah, we all watch Tiger King. Yeah, or like, yeah, exactly. There's, there's nothing in place. They're only permitted by the USDA to, to show animals and that's it. What in accredited zoo, so we're accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums and it's just a much higher standard, actually like less than 10% of all animals animal institutions that can exhibit animals are accredited. Um, and so P is really easy. And I don't blame people to compare the bad ones to the good ones. And what I find when I have conversations like this is it it's a good conversation because it shows people care about animals. So it actually just reinforces me more that I'm in the right field to teach people about animals and to teach them what we're doing in zoos, um, all the conservation work we're doing outside. Um, you know, we reach, in non-COVID years, we reach about 200,000 students a year that might not ever get to meet a prairie dog that lives in their home state. So just teaching them about their local eco ecosystems and, um, and that that's what a good zoo does. And we're a really important part of a community to, you know, help save wildlife. 
That's a okay. really long answer. <laughs> no, that was so good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you mentioned training the animals. I have a dog and like I'm thinking of my training with him, which is not going well, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming that zoo training is different or maybe it's not. Maybe that's like a misconception I have. I don't know. We use treats. <laughs> that's a good way to train. So there's actually lots of different ways to train. Um, so what we use at the zoo is positive reinforcement, which if you're giving treats, that's probably what you're doing. Um, so all the training we do at the zoo is positive reinforcement. And the basic um, explanation is that we give animals what they like for it and let them choose to participate in their training. So if, if an animal that's really motivated for treats is like turning away, not wanting to participate, that's totally fine. But if they do, they get what they like for it. And studies have shown that that type of training actually stays longer in the brain. Um, so it's a better, better way to train. It's just much more positive. So is that considered choice-based training? Is that what that's called or is there? Yeah, so you can incorporate choice-based training into positive reinforcement training. So, okay. um, which is what our zoo is focused on and, and a lot of major accredited zoos are going more in the choice direction. So, um, so like, it's kind of like an elephant. Like if an elephant knows it's training time, you're calling, cueing that it's training time and they come over and they look at you and they decide to walk away, that's totally fine. Um, but if they, you know, um, do participate, they get their favorite treats. And we're even utilizing this training with reptiles, um, any kind of small bird. Um, it's pretty awesome. You can use it with, I've trained a goldfish how to jump through a hoop using positive reinforcement training. So it's, um, it's, it's fun. It gives them the choice and they get what they like for it. So, you know, there's no spanking an animal because they didn't do the right thing or anything like that. It's just letting them choose to participate. That's really cool. interesting. That's great. Um, so is the Denver Zoo like a big research zoo? Is that sort of a component of most zoos or is that more like a spe specialty thing? You'll see it a lot more at major accredited zoos, mostly because we've got the money to do it. <laughs> um, and we have the resources and staff in general to do it. So we are a research zoo. We're currently revamping our conservation bio biology department, but, um, we have projects like all over the world. So pretty much on every continent, working with everything from vultures to um, white or uh, Tongan snub-nosed monkeys in Vietnam. And then we have a lot of projects locally too. So working um, down in New Mexico at some wildlife refuges down there. So that's actually a really fun part of my job is I've gotten to do field work with the zoo, actually going out and studying animals, um, rebuilding watersheds, so yeah, we definitely do a lot of work like that. Cool. Where did you do field work? So I've, I've been lucky enough to do field work in a couple of ways where we were down at Rio Mora National Wildlife Refuge doing um, studying reptiles and amphibians down there, just basically their uh, predominance of where they are and um, how many there are. We rebuilt some watershed habitat down there which was a lot of like lifting really heavy rocks all day for like <laughs> eight hours a day. Field work's really hard work. Um, and then I was actually also able to do a prairie dog project. We, we worked with a, a really awesome professor, I forget what university in the Northeast that he worked at, but he'd been studying prairie dogs for almost 50 years. That's what he did every year, all year. And so um, we got to study the mating habits of the prairie dogs down in New Mexico. So I was in a hut just watching who was mating with who kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, we send staff all over the world to do other projects. Well, I never would have thought that like travel was a component of working at a zoo, but that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I have to ask, do you have a favorite animal? <laughs> yeah. Everyone always asks that. It's, it's funny because in my section, I get to work with everything. So everything from like, and that's why I love my area bugs, reptiles, up to birds of prey, parrots, llamas, porcupines, anteaters. Um, so it's kind of like whatever's in my hand at the time is generally what I say, but I do absolutely love birds of prey. I think that they're just amazing animals. So generally they're my favorite, owls especially. 
Ooh, cool. Owls are pretty cool. Like they're they're they're, they're uh, they have a lot of depth. I would say like they're lots of layers. <laughs> that's a good way to describe them. Their personalities are are pretty interesting. Yeah. Um. Another favorite question. I'm sure if I ask like what your favorite zoo is, you would say the Denver Zoo. But do you have any other faves or ones that you particularly have liked visiting? Gosh, I mean, there's there's a lot of really great zoos out there that do a lot of different things. Like Indianapolis Zoo, back we you know where I'm from, and is they have a really amazing orangutan program. Yes, it's pretty cool. I saw last time I was there, I saw one of the orangutans climbing on the thing up in the air that I never see them up there, but one was, and it was crazy. Yeah, we have gibbons that can climb a rope over crowds here, and and we learned quickly that they love to pee on people too. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I really respect that zoo for that reason, but I definitely love um, zoos that have big ambassador programs like ours. So, um, you know, Omaha Zoo, Houston Zoo, St. Louis Zoo. Um, it's That's really my great. zoo. How is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm from St. Louis. So I grew up going to the zoo all the time because the zoo's free. So yeah. we went all the time. Big fan. Yeah. And, and it's fun because when you're an accredited zoo, we work together a lot. So through species survival plans, um, you know, making sure the genetics of all the animals in our zoos are healthy. It's a way for us to further protect animals in the wild in case they go extinct in the wild. A lot of people don't realize too that sometimes zoos might be the last ditch effort for a species. So communicating with other AZA zoos like St. Louis Zoo is, is really rewarding. They're doing such great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um, sort of triggered a question for me. So when you guys are like, getting new animals or like decide how do you guys like decide what animals to bring in and like where 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 do they come from like how does that work it really depends on the section so for my section specifically it's mostly about it's always about housing and can we care for the animal first um but we do like years long collection plan planning so um for us it's about you know we want to have like a very diverse collection. So and a collection is just a, you know, um, curatorial term that cultural institutions use. Uh, we don't like collect them in, in boxes and just like have them. <laughs> but, you know, in our collection, we want to make sure that the animals that we have can support the programs we do. So, you know, we do flighted bird shows. So having the right collection for that, um, you know, being able to have bugs so we can teach about, you know, how important those are to the ecosystem. So it's really about like having them for the educational purposes we need. And then it's very important that we have everything that they would need before we even think of bringing in an animal like that. Um, we definitely do like a birth to life life plan of our uh, birth to death plan of like the second we get this animal, can we care for it, for the, the, give it the top care for the rest of its life. So there's a lot that goes into collection planning. If that answers the question. <laughs> And, and there's other areas too that have different goals. Like Denver Zoo actually has the biggest male herd of Asian elephants in the country. So they wanted to have a bachelor herd. So just years of preparation went into that. Um, so it just depends on the section. Cool. cool. Okay. So Holly told us that she brought some animals for the podcast so yeah we get to keep the animals (laughs) it's actually she's sending them to us um so we've come to that portion of the interview (laughs) um we don't this is going to be a surprise holly did say that they're nocturnal animals yeah but that's our only clue yeah, because we are recording in the evening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like nervous, like I excited. It's like, are they gonna like me? <laughs> That's part of it. Is they're just gonna judge you immediately. <laughs> no, they're pretty small. I just brought some of my favorites. Um, I'm in also like in a tiny room, so I had to bring some tiny critters. Um, I guess you would might not think this is super tiny, but. <laughs> 
So the first one I brought is um, one of my favorites for a lot of reasons. So it's a giant African millipede. So if you're listening, you can kind of like Google, I guess, what they look like. But it's pretty much the biggest millipede in the world. And so they get to be about a foot long. Um, But these guys are one of my favorites, even though I work with lots of large critters, because it's the little guys that sometimes are the most important. So teaching about what's in the dirt, um, because, you know, if you don't have bugs like this, you're not going to have the critters that eat those bugs and the critters that eat those critters that eat the bugs. So these guys keep the soil nice and healthy. And there's like thousands of species of millipede, but these guys are um, one of the biggest. And one of my favorite things is, I know people at home can't see this, but as they move, their legs like undulate. So in these like beautiful wave-like motions. Yeah, I was noticing that. That's so interesting. I'll kind of see if I can get, so they have these really cool antenna. So they can't really see very well, but they use that antenna to kind of explore around. So they don't. So So they're found in like the rainforests of Africa. Um, Is that like an average size for them? It's an average size, but they can get bigger. They can get up to a foot long. So they molt their little um, exoskeletons and then they just get bigger each time. And they're just so cool because when you take an animal like this to a school, like the first reaction is just like, ew, gross. And then the kids within a few minutes are just fascinated and they want to touch it and they want to hold it and they want to learn about it. So do you name the animals? Does this millipede have a name? So his name is Archie technically, but we do kind of swap them out. It's um, if I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember his uh, genus. It's based on his scientific name, <laughs> a shortening of his scientific name. Okay, gotcha. Well, sometimes, that's- yeah, sometimes with kiddos, I'm like, I try to let them name the, the bugs. They get a kick out of that. But <laughs> so yeah, it's one of our one of our millipedes. So we have a bunch of bugs, and honestly, they can be like the most fun to teach about because they're just you never know what reaction you're gonna get from the kids and adults. It's usually the adults that overreact. <laughs> And the kids are just like, they're like, this is awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So how old is that millipede? Uh, 200 years. Probably about a couple years old, I would imagine. But they okay. um, don't live, t- they don't live seriously long, but he's, he's much bigger one. So yeah, probably about a couple of years old, I would imagine. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to see something bigger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Gotta move the chair. Oh, is that a cooler? Yeah. A cooler full oh. of animals. <gasps> you guys. <laughs> Jojo, our ball python, you made a comment about the cooler. So that's actually how we transport our reptiles since they're cold blooded. So it makes maintains the temperature of their transport. I'll try to get her head a little closer. I love ball pythons because if, do you notice those little cracks in her jaw? They're like, look like little holes. Yeah. So these guys are heat sensing. So she's sticking her tongue out. So snakes use their tongue like we use our nose, Um, but she can also sense heat. So she can basically see prey in pitch darkness, which is such a cool adaptation. And not all snakes have that. Wow. She can sense heat with her tongue. So basically like just, um, the, the heat sensing comes from those pits. So like Um, some other animals share that adaptation, like pit vipers and some other venomous snakes. Um, but other boas in her family don't all, they don't all have that. So it's pretty unique that some members of the family have it, but not all, but all snakes will use that tongue the same way. So basically Every time she retracts that tongue into her mouth, she's sending information from the air to an organ called the Jacobson's organ on the roof of her mouth, uh, the roof of her skull, and kind of tells her where prey is in the room, which is pretty cool. But I love snakes because they kind of have the same react. People have the same reaction. They have fears of snakes or they don't like want to recognize them as an important animal and that they um, you know, are important in an ecosystem. So. I love teaching about snakes and getting people to touch them and connect with them personally 
you know, they may not, it may not be their favorite animal by the end of it, but they at least have some respect for them. And especially here in Colorado, it's hard because we've got rattlesnakes. So people, you know, are just, they don't want anything to do with snakes, but we've got some really cool snakes in Colorado. And then so getting kids to care about a snake if they find one is kind of the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Jojo has been an animal ambassador for about 12 years. So she's not, she's not thousands of of students. So she's a, she's a veteran ambassador for sure. Do snakes usually live a fairly long time? They can. So the bigger the snake, sometimes the longer they'll live. So she'll probably live to be 20 to 25. Um, so fairly long time. So she's potentially middle, middle-aged at this point. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. I, I will admit that snakes make me nervous, but just like hearing about her and like all of the cool things that she can do like that kind of melts away so i really appreciate the educational aspect and we definitely work to connect people to like her individual story too of like the animals that we get out you know we tell people their names and like what what they like to do and especially like um parrots the ones that we know really well that have personalities like i think that helps to connect kids and and people to um, the animal specifically, but does Jojo have favorite activities? What does Jojo have favorite activities? She does. So she's really, really active. Um, I love to give enrichment to snakes, um, cause they are curious. They're like such curious animals. So whenever we like redesign her enclosure, which is like, um, at least once a month, really giving her new enrichment, um, she immediately explores it. So she loves to climb, um, you know, she loves just textured things. So like giving her bark and, um, just things to hide in. It's just really cool. It's, it's like immediately gratifying to give snakes enrichment because they just like are so interested immediately. Cool. Like having like, it's like you're a mom. You're just like so happy that you like provided for your child and like watching <laughs> them engage with the enrichment. You're like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> like, um, Game of Thrones instead of Mother of Dragon, Mother of Snakes. Mother of Snakes, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, we work, I have about, about 20 different snakes. So she's the, like one of our smaller ones, but we have like a 40 pound boa constrictor um, who actually beat skin cancer. So I love telling her story too. So we have like a whole vet team here and um, we noticed she had skin cancer and they were able to treat it and she's cancer free now. So telling stories like that with an animal like a snake, it helps people connect because we're really proud of her. She beat it. <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, I have one more critter. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. I saw you getting a blanket out, so I'm wondering, is it like <laughs> is it a shark animal? That was actually just a little crate cover for oh. okay. <laughs> these gloves on. He's one of the cutest animals we have. <laughs> this is Kodo. Oh my god. So he's a lesser tenrec. So people often confuse these guys with hedgehogs and they're actually not really closely related at all. They're actually he's more closely related to a manatee or an elephant than he is a hedgehog. Bizarre, I know. So he's tiny. Covered, he's covered in spines. So these guys are cool because they're only found in Madagascar and that's it. So teaching wow. about teaching about island ecosystems and the animals that are only found there. Um, people kind of don't know too much about islands and um, why we should protect habitat on islands, especially because there's nowhere else for this little guy to go <laughs> if we don't protect habitat on islands. He's so cute. I can't get over it. Um, yeah. Is he like fully grown? This is he as is, big as he'll get? This is as big as he'll get. He is he's so, so sweet. He like, he's just the cutest. He also loves enrichment. He loves bugs. So he just kind of waits at the door when he knows it's dinner time. But he, I don't know if you can see like his tiny little whiskers. So they don't have really good eyesight. Um, so they use those whiskers. You can kind of see him sniffing. They have really good sense of smell. So that's how he's gonna um, get around. So they're kind of like a shrubby species. Um, climb, he's a pretty good climber. So giving him things that he can climb onto um, in his house are the things that he likes the best. And he loves things that stink. So these guys, 
will scent mark. So if you give him something like extra stinky, he'll bathe in it. So he'll actually, if it's like a dirty dirt or something like that, he'll actually just cover himself in it. He just loves to be stinky. It's called a quarantine. <laughs> so kind cute. <laughs> Sorry, I hope you didn't say this, but why does he like to be stinky? So it's kind of like a, a, a mating thing to kind of just like, they want to smell like the stinkiest thing around them. Um, <laughs> and because they don't have good eyesight, it's good to have something that smells. Um, and it could be too, to like, you know, if it's, if it's extra stinky to ward off predators of like, if a predator smells something really weird, they might avoid him. Um, but yeah, it's a way that they can find each other to mate and things like that. Interesting. Maybe I'll give that a try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that advice from a zookeeper? I was going to say, is that the the thing to tell everyone that's single? Just roll around in some shit. Yeah. That's what you've been missing this whole time. (laughs) It all makes sense now. Um, Thank you so much, Holly, for bringing the animals. That was such a nice surprise. Uh, Very, very cool. We loved getting to talk to you. I learned so much. Um, Yeah, uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, I love working at a zoo. I I think that they're very, very important. And I would encourage anyone that isn't sure about zoos to do some research. Um, you know, I think that any institution that is out there working to save animals, um, give them a try um, and really do some research as far as what they're doing and how they're trying to change the game for animals in the wild. Um, Cause we, you know, we need to connect people to animals. Kids need to get off their phones and get outside and, and give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I love that. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, well, before we go, if our listeners are interested in learning more about the Denver Zoo, um, the Animal Ambassador Program, or maybe an Animal Ambassador Program in their own city, uh, do you have any recommendations for where they can go to learn more information? Yeah, I mean, I would look at your local, you know, if you don't have a local zoo, um, you know, look, look out nature centers too. Sometimes nature centers have animal ambassador programs, um, but there are some really great nature centers, rehab centers um, that do some really great work, the same kind of stuff that we do, connecting people to animals. And, you know, they need help right now, especially during COVID. Um, so just, just support any organization that um, is supporting animals in the wild and supporting environmental education. So you can even just Google environmental education and see what pops up. Totally. Well, Holly, thank you so much uh, for chatting with us. This is really great. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you later, Holly. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.